Hello again, this is Daniel J. Hogan, and welcome to the Magic of Airy podcast, brought to you by magicofairy.com. In our last episode, the gate guards Remit and Kaz, and their supervisor, the Hawken officer Lexa, were put on trial for allowing Steve and Uncle Shameless into the Hawk King city. Remit and Kaz were spared from Fyak Ra's wrath after they said it was Lexa who had let the boy into the city. Sadly, Lexa, who had been behaving poorly in hopes of getting reassigned out of the city, was not as lucky as his subordinates. The Hawk King convicted Lexa of treason and incinerated him with the Spear of Zoo. And now, the next exciting episode of The Magic of Eri. The Magic of Eri, the podcast. Written and produced by Daniel J. Hogan. Based on the novel, The Magic of Eri, by Daniel J. Hogan. To learn more about the novel, please visit magicaberry.com or danieljhogan.com. And remember, Harry is spelled E-Y-R-I. Episode number 12, Double Trouble. As the servants swept away the ashy remains of Lexa, a strong gust of wind blew into the throne room through the open ceiling making the task of sweeping all that more difficult. With the wind came a pair of misty clouds. The ghost-white mist swirled throughout the throne room, over and around everyone until they reached Fiak Ra. The mist clouds came to a stop on either side of the Hawk King and floated in midair, each forming a long vertical shape. Well? The Hawk King asked in the direction of the twin clouds of mist. A pair of white discs flashed in each of the clouds as they split down the middle like pea pods. The mist pulled away, revealing Fyakra's loyal spies, a pair of identical raven twins, Delu and Uled. The mist covering the twins quickly turned into dark green patchwork leather capes. Across the room, Unala scoffed silently, silently for him, which was about a normal volume for anyone else. He did not enjoy the company of the sickly raven twins. He narrowed his eyes as the twins' thin, live frames turned from magical mists back into feathers and bone. Deep down, Unala was jealous of the caper capes that gave the twins their ability to turn into mist, which also allowed the wingless ravens to fly. What Unala did not envy was the price the twins paid for using the capes. It was said that using caper capes drained the life force of the user. Hence the constant sickly state of the twins. Hmm, they deserve whatever they get, Unala said, not realizing he was thinking aloud. The embarrassed wingmaster quickly tried to act as if he was talking to one of the silent royal guards when the Hawk King and his spies turned in his direction. Fiakra turned his gaze from his boisterous second-in-command to the glowing white eyes of the Raven twins. Well, the Hawk King asked a second time. Highness. Delu began, with a voice like a nail and a chalkboard. It is true. The boy was in Doraga. Uled finished, with an equally eerie tone. And has since escaped. This was another thing about the Raven Twins that Unala despised. The way they talked. Who do they think they are? Talking like that. Unala managed to say somewhat quietly, which was an accomplishment. Mm. Unala cannot believe the manner in which they speak. 
finishing each other's sentences. Unala does not like it. No, he does not like it. Not one bit. The royal guard next to Unala risked breaking the rules and rolled his eyes under his winged helmet. Fiakra slammed the butt of his spear into the ground to show his rage. The Hawk King had dispatched the twins after hearing Nevik's story about the boy appearing in Daraga. Where did he escape to? We had but little time to search, Highness. But we heard he had escaped by way of the rear of the castle. Uled finished. Or perhaps Delu. They were identical twins, after all. Fiakra climbed back up to his throne. The twins joined him on either side. Their thin, black, feathered bodies seemed to float up the staircase. Find him! Of course, Highness. But... Delu whispered in the Fiakra's left ear. Even as Miss... Uled whispered into the Hawk King's right ear. We can only travel in two directions at once. We'll need hunters. The twins said in unison, Hire hunters if you must. Unala! The Hawk King's one-winged second-in-command halted his complaining of the Raven Twins to the nearest royal guard and ran hastily towards the throne, tripping in the process. After slowly getting up and dusting himself off, Unala kneeled at the base of the steps. (sighs) Yes! Give the Twins money to hire hunters to aid with their search. Highness, is this really necessary? Unala asked, thinking of the paperwork for such a request. I would have to take it out of the petty treasure. Are you questioning my command? The Hawk King countered as he narrowed his fire-filled eyes at his old friend. Unala's eyes widened. He was one of a few, if any, that could actually debate with the Hawk King. But he was still very careful about doing so. Fiakra demanded absolute obedience and took anything else as disloyalty. The Hawk King had no tolerance for disloyal subjects, as Lexa had just learned. Unala glanced at the pile of ashes in the corner that had been Lexa only a few minutes ago. (laughs) No, no, Unala answered after his heart began beating once again. I just thought, why outsource this task when we have legions of Hawken and Swanton warriors around the castle? Using troops would attract too much attention. The twins said. Fiakra nodded in agreement. This was yet another trait of the Raven Twins that Unala detested. Whatever they said or suggested, Fiakra usually agreed with, which frequently resulted in Unala handing over money. Unala also hated using hunters. They were expensive enough to begin with, but when they were hired by the kingdom, they would always add several zeros to the end of their going rate. Additionally, hunters were usually shady characters. They ranged from outcasts to criminals to assassins to anything in between, even term-limited politicians. Unala shuddered at the thought of hiring hunters, but decided not to voice his disapproval again, since he did not like the idea of being swept up off the floor. You are listening to the Magic of Airy podcast, a free audiobook podcast by Daniel J. Hogan, available at magicofairy.com and through the iTunes Music Store. Raven Twin stood by the door that Uncle Shameless had easily ripped out of the wall. 
they were joined by three hunters, dressed in hooded cloaks. One of the hunters was garbed in a black cloak and wore a long yellow scarf tied around his neck. Only the tip of an oddly shaped hooked beak peeked out from under the blackness of the hood. The bird man ran a clawed hand, covered in black feathers, over the severely damaged door frame. A human did this? The hunter asked calmly. Yes, a human, said Uled. Or maybe Delu. None of the three hunters could tell the difference, or even cared. Another reason the twins had demanded the aid of hunters was that neither of the pair was physically strong enough to handle the likes of Uncle Shameless and his super strength. Before reporting back to Fiak Ra, the twins had interrogated several of the beat-up Swanton guards and learned what Uncle Shameless was capable of doing. The twins were good at sneaking around and knifing people in the back and all of that sort of nasty business, but that was about it. The twins could not be touched in their missed form, but neither could they touch anyone or anything. The five, as this band of hunters called themselves, despite being only three in number, looked like they could more than handle Uncle Shameless. The hunter with the yellow scarf joined the leader of the band, a large shape covered in a forest green cloak. A pair of battered old antlers jutted out from under his hood, and an equally battered and old-looking longbow was slung across his body. The two hunters talked quietly while the third, who had remained silent the entire time, watched the twins with unblinking black eyes from under his brown-gray hood. A snort from the leader of the five broke the tense silence, and he threw back his hood, revealing an elderly deer face. All right. The leader, an old deer by the name of Cam, said in an oddly enthusiastic tone of voice, My second here tells me that we ain't dealing with no regular human. And you guys said there was two of them? That is correct. We believe that the older human has extraordinary strength. Delu crossed his thin arms under his caper cape and said, The other is only a boy. He should not pose a threat. Uled finished. Cam crassly cleared his throat and spat something large and wet to the ground before walking over to the twins. His old hooves clicked on the stonework. He gave Delu, or maybe Uled, a wild-eyed look. But how do we know that for sure? Cam asked as he cracked his elderly knuckles. The Raven twins sighed in unison, already guessing where this conversation was going. Ah, so my boys and me could be going up against two extraordinary humans? Is that what you're saying? The twins looked at each other, and then turned their piercing gaze back to Cam and his band of hunters. How much? Cam turned his back to the twins. Well, that's hard to say. I ain't never dealt with no extraordinary humans before. Cam quickly glanced at his second-in-command, the hunter with the yellow scarf, who stealthily held up three clawed fingers. Eh, but maybe for five... Cam was cut off by the sound of a sizable sack of coins hitting the ground. He spun around on his hooves and looked down at the bulging sack. Well, I reckon that'll work too. You are listening to the Magic of Airy podcast a free audiobook podcast by Daniel J. Hogan. Copies of the original novel can be purchased through magicofairy.com and amazon.com. You can also download a PDF of the entire novel for only $3.75. Visit magicofairy.com for more details. And remember, Airy is spelled E-Y-R-I. So, you got all that? Cam asked the hunter in the yellow scarf. The other hunter nodded. The twins checked to the north and south. 
he cast a quick glance to the silent hunter in the brown-gray cloak, a morning dove. You and Arbo will head to the west. I'll go east. You gonna be okay by yourself? Cam asked, giving his second-in-command a knowing wink. I'll be fine. I've hunted humans before. So have I, Zeroth, but none that could rip a door clear out a stone wall. Well, good luck and mind your temper, you hear? They want them in one piece. A sly smile crossed Zero's beak as he nodded. The Raven twins pretended to clear their throats in a sickly chorus. All right, you bums, Cam yelled as he trotted over to the twins. Arb, quit screwing around with your toy, Cam yelled at the dove man, who was busy winding up the metal bow of his gigantic crossbow. The crossbow was held upright by Arbel's feet while he used the large crank at the rear of the weapon. After the crossbow was properly wound, Arbel slung the beastly weapon onto his back and quietly chased after Cam. Zeroth had questioned the use of such a weapon when Arbel had joined the band, because it did not seem worth the hassle. Since then, Zeroth had witnessed the damage the heavy weapon could easily inflict. Cam hated the weapon and the smaller handheld repeating crossbows that Arbel kept under his cloak. The old deer was happy with his longbow, and savored the expertise and skill required to use it, unlike Arbel's point-and-shoot weapons. Cam was fond of accusing Arbel's weapons of taking all the fun out of hunting, but he could not really argue about the results. Business had been much better since Arbel joined the band, even if the dove hardly ever spoke, and seemed to enjoy the job a little too much. They couldn't have gone too far. Use the signal stones if you find them. Signal stones had been decided on in case the twins ran into the humans while alone. All one had to do was break a signal stone against the ground, and a column of smoke would be released. The smoke would climb high into the air and could be seen for miles. Unfortunately, the smoke could also be smelled for miles. The smell was so bad that some cities had outlawed their use. Zeroth had been wary of using signal stones ever since he had tripped and fallen on his supply while sneaking after a target some years ago. It was many weeks before he could enter a town again, let alone sneak up on anyone. A chill ran down Zeroth's feathered spine as he watched the twins wrap their caper capes around themselves. When not in use, the capes hung loosely off the raven's backs and looked like stitched green leather. Zeroth knew better, though. He had heard the stories of the creatures the skins had come from. Capers. They were fearsome creatures that could turn into mist at will, and were fond of ambushing travelers. Like the twins, capers could only be hurt while flesh and blood, making them very hard to hunt. Zeroth did not know how the twins had come across the mythical capes, let alone two, and he decided he was happier not knowing, given the twins' reputation of clandestine work for the Hawk King. As the twins wrapped their capes around their bodies, they instantly turned into clouds of hazy white mist. Their blank white eyes glowed for a moment, then blended into the rest of their misty bodies. The twin clouds took the air and flew into the distance, one headed north and the other south. Zeroth waved a final goodbye to Cam as the old deer and his morning dove companion headed off into the distance. Zeroth wandered around the exterior of Ark's Venator until he came to the old aqueduct. His sharp eyes caught the faint remains of a pair of footprints near the edge of the old stone waterway. The birdman had never seen prints such as these before. What confused him even more than the wavy lines in the dirt was a seemingly random number printed inside of the smaller of the two sets of prints. Zero did not know who this six was, or why he and the owner of the larger tracks had such strange footprints. But Zero did not care. A pair of black wings swung out from under his cloak. The hunt had begun. 
Era, Steve, and Uncle Shameless walked slowly toward the Forbidden Forest on their way to Uth, the last human village. The companions took frequent breaks as Era looked for trail markers. Steve did not know how anyone could tell one forest from another. They all looked the same to him. Why are you going to off? We're not from around here. Steve answered as he tried unsuccessfully to ignore his tired feet. We were told to go there. Who told you? A friend. I wouldn't go that far, added Steve, thinking bitter thoughts about Istrio and all of the trouble the Blue Heron had caused him so far. I see. Tell me. Does it have anything to do with that amulet around your neck? Steve and Uncle Shameless stopped in mid-step. They turned and looked at each other. Era leaned on her walking stick. I am not a fool. I know what that amulet means. I'm glad someone knows. I didn't really agree to anything at all. This was all kind of dumped on me. I think the whole idea of me bringing change to your world is a bit silly. Era walked over to Steve and placed a feathered hand on his shoulder. You may think that now, but while you are here, you will learn to believe in silly things. Uh, yeah. Maybe you'll even start believing some of my silly stories. Uncle Shameless added with a goofy smile. Such as? Uncle Shameless's eyes lit up. Well, there was this one time... I think it was one time. Anyway, I had to punch out a cow. Please, don't encourage him. You see, there was this cow, and... Did you hear that? Of course I did. I said it. No, not you. I thought I heard something further in the woods. Zeroth landed near the small lake at the end of the aqueduct moments later. From the blackness of his hood, his eyes spotted webbed footprints and two drag marks coming out of the lake. The veteran hunter quickly figured out what had happened and considered charging the twins extra for having to take care of a third target. That was the beauty of having a government contract. He could easily charge for extras, such as disappearing an additional party. Six and a larger human had been pulled out of the lake. Zeroth could see more of their bizarre footprints. The hunter was positive he was on the right trail, and considered signaling the others. But he was tempted to see if he could handle this extraordinary human the Raven twin spoke of by himself. As he climbed a nearby tree, Zeroth realized that he had not been in a good scrap in a long time, and that Arbo would probably make short work of this extraordinary human before he could have any fun. Zeroth smiled as he drew his sword and took to the air once more, his yellow scarf flapping madly in the forest air. This concludes today's episode of The Magic of Airy. Make sure to join us again next time. Will Zeroth find Steve? Will he be able to fight Uncle Shameless? Will Zeroth take Steve alive? Find out in the next exciting episode of The Magic of Airy. The Magic of Airy, the podcast. Written and produced by Daniel J. Hogan. This podcast was produced in GarageBand and Audacity on a Mac. Some sound effects and music are provided by freesound.org. Other sound effects and music provided by GarageBand. For more information or to buy a copy of the original novel, please visit magicofairy.com or danieljhogan.com. And remember, Airy is spelled E-Y-R-I. And as always, thanks for listening.